loud? Yeah, because she listens. And oh. remember to repeat what other people say that aren't you. Ah, okay. Those Got are it. my hints. Got Thank it. you. Okay. Those, those are important hints. Yeah. Okay, so um, welcome everybody. It has been it has been like eons since we've been up here. So Ron and Jean like hogged the mic for ten months, right? <laughs> All right, we're okay. We're not we're not you know we're not upset. I had a good long vacation. I was like, go another year if you want. So but anyway, uh, we just thank you guys and just uh Thank God for a relational class. And we just thank you guys for your faithfulness. Um, you know, you guys come uh, come in season and out of season. And, uh, you know, all of us have, have, have borne the fruit of it. Uh, because as Ron and Jean say, um, you know, when we're studying for these things, the Lord gives us so much download and revelation of things that um, we don't um we don't know. I mean, we're not really teaching out of stuff that we know just everything about. But as we teach and we study, the Lord opens up things to us that we haven't seen. So it's a blessing for all of us, not only those of us that are up here, but for you also. So um, we're going to pray and then we're going to get started. That's not who we are. No. Okay. Um, Lord, we just thank you for this time. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for your blessing. Um, and Lord, we thank you because you are such a good God that you are willing to pour out as much knowledge and revelation as uh, we are. We want. And it's really, God, not that you hold anything. You withhold anything from us. But Lord, many times we withhold from ourselves. And so, Lord, we just pray that your spirit would um, illuminate our minds and open our hearts to accept and receive all that you want for us, Lord. Because, God, we want to be the people that you're calling us to be. We want to be the husbands and the wives. We want to be the parents, the brothers, the sisters, um, all those co-workers, all those that we are in relationship with. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so help us as we go through and we learn and we grow. That, Father, that not only did you do the work in us to heal us, but you do the work in us so that we may come alongside and help others. For, Lord, you have called us ministers of reconciliation, as if you were making your appeal to the outside world through us. So we thank you, Lord, for that, and we just bless you. We just love you, and we thank you uh, for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So for those of you that don't know us, uh, which is probably most of you on this podcast, is uh, we are Joe and Leona Njakuobi. Be good if I knew my own name. And um, so we've just been really privileged to um, be part of this ministry for um, we're going on 10 years now. Um, and so uh, we just, we're just really humbled and just really thank the Lord um, for what he is doing in all of our in all of our lives uh, and so um we're just thankful you guys will be here so we are gonna we are gonna be doing an eight-week series and this eight-week series is called relational seeds what are you planting relational seeds what are you planting and um just to give you a quick outline we're gonna start today is going to be the introduction, and it's called The Tongue and the Seeds. And um, as we go through these eight weeks, we're really going to uh, dive in depth in terms of what relational seeds really are. Uh, and we have, when we talk about the tongue and the seeds, uh, one of the things that, and we'll get to some scripture, of course, in a minute, uh, is really the Bible has powerful correlations um, between uh, speaking, the uh, words, whether they're spoken or written, and planting and sowing. And so we're going to look at those, especially because one of the things that we realize is uh, Scripture says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so what we really need to begin to understand is what the power 
of words are spoken and written, right? Genesis says that God spoke the universe and the earth into existence. And so words are extremely powerful. And if we don't really get an understanding of the power of words, words that we can say inadvertently can plant seeds that can uh, either encourage and lift people to greater heights or can actually plant death. Um, for an example, um, I had a, I was at my mom's house when she lived in San Francisco and was doing some work over there and their next door neighbor, she had a five-year-old that was outside playing. And I guess the five-year-old wasn't coming quickly enough. So she began to basically dress this five-year-old down. And the words that were coming out of her mouth really actually caused me to weep because what I understood was the things that she was speaking over this child if he would, that would be taken in and ingrained, would literally set his life on a course for the rest of his life that would damage him. And at that time, I was praying, please, Lord, don't let this child remember what's happening to him because these words, right, again, what we call relational seeds were being planted in this child. And if these words were to stay and to fester, it would literally change the course of his life. Another uh, quick example before we go on, I was watching NFL Network yesterday, and how many of you know about Roger Staubach? So Roger Staubach, he had, um, he had won the Heisman Trophy, and he was, his father was somebody that he had a lot of great respect for. And um, his father was getting ready, was, was in the throes of an illness, and so the, um, the committee, asked him, his father, to stand up and say words, and his father to speak, and his father was not somebody who was a spokesman. So his father got up, and what was interesting about this was, as Roger Staubach, now this happened 50 years ago, as Roger Staubach began to tell the camera what his father had said, tears started welding up in his eyes. And he said, my father was not a man of a lot of words, but what he said was, God only gave us one child, and the one that he gave us was a good one. So what was so powerful about that was, first of all, his father was not a man of a lot of words, so there probably was not a lot of encouragement given to him, but those words, that one word, that one sentence was so powerful to Roger Staubach that 50 years later, it still made him emotional. So again, the power of words. And the, main, the reason that we want to do this is because we have to become conscious of what we are saying, what we are thinking. Because we may think that they're idle words, but they're not idle words. And the reason we have to do that is because many of our, we'll go scientific for a quick minute, is most of our processes run on a subconscious level. And so many times when we say things, we're not even thinking about the ramifications of what it is we're saying. We're hoping through this session that you're going to get a greater understanding and a greater revelation of exactly how powerful your words are. Well, one of the things that um, we are responsible for as believers is once we're a believer, regardless of our age, we now become accountable to the Lord for beginning a process of shifting. So many of us, we all know, we've all had words spoken to us. It could have been from teachers, it could have been from parents, it could have been from cousins, it could have been from you name it, right? We could have even overheard words that were spoken in a separate conversation that had nothing to do with us, but because of our minds as children, we made that concrete because usually, I think before the age of five, I could be wrong, it could be seven, we tend to think concretely 
as children. If you tell me that Christmas is coming soon, I, I'm thinking soon might be tomorrow, right? It's, it's, that's, that's a fact to me, the way that I see the world. So we often are going to go into our relationships. We all go into relationships and we are often mindless. We're just working off of the chemistry of the relationship. You know, I have, I have a cousin, for example, who um, I'm in relationship with. And when we first met, we're, I mean, we're blood cousins, but when we first met, we just took off like that, right? And we are, we often refer to ourselves as more friends than cousins, right? Uh, because we really relate to one another. But as we've become more and more mature in age and in Christ, we're beginning to see how we differ, right? Um, because of how we perceive and process the Word of God. we Once you hear what is being presented, if you hadn't thought about it before, you get to begin thinking about it now, that you become responsible for the words you've been given to steward. You've been given words from from Him, right? That you, Which is the Bible, for those who can't see me on podcast, <laughs> to steward. But a lot of times what we're operating on are the words that were poured into us before we came to our own personal relationship with the Lord. So that's something that we are going to ask you guys to begin to weigh. Um, so we'll give it back to let's start off. I'll give you guys some, um, some scripture here, and then we're going to go into, um, we're going to talk about the tongue first, and hopefully we're going to get to the seeds. Uh, but just a couple of scriptures now. Scripture has a lot to say about the tongue. Um, some of the scriptures uh, that I pulled out, uh, some were from Psalms, some um, were from Proverbs. But I'll just pick a couple out. Um, Psalms thirty-five twenty-eight. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises all day long. Um, Proverbs eleven twelve. Mm -hmm. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Proverbs fifteen four. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs seventeen twenty. One whose heart is corrupt is corrupt does not prosper. One whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. And then um, 1 Peter 3.10 says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Okay. And so the Bible goes on and on and on again in terms of um, in, in terms of the tongue and in terms of this idea that your tongue has power. Your words have power. And again, life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? And we will, as we go further on um, in the series, some of the questions will be, some of the things we'll look at is, what is it you're saying to yourself? Do you really realize what you are saying to yourself that is causing you, that is setting you up to go down a road that you never intended because what you think right what you think you start to believe once you start to believe you start to behave once you start to behave there comes your outcome right so we have to be really careful about what it is we're thinking and what it is that we're saying not only about ourselves but others so the the scriptures that we want to use for the for the tongue, um, actually it's in James. And James actually uh, does the best job in terms of really defining what the tongue is and the power that the tongue has. And so um, I want to go ahead and read that. So I think what I want to do is go. So I'm actually going to, rather than jump around. I'm actually going to just go right into um, James. I'm going to take that to James. Right, tell them. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> James 3 verses 1 to 18. 
So it says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you all know that we that teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone who is never a, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole, uh, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds, of bird, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and say we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings that have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same springs? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring um, produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding amongst you? Let them show it by their good, uh, good life, deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitterness and selfish amb ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you have, uh, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, first of all, is pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Again, this idea of sowing, of reaping, planting seeds, what do you harvest? Right. I want to ask a, a different question. Then. Okay. Um, just uh, that, that scripture, that verse that talks about the wisdom does not come down from heaven. Uh, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. When we think of demonic, what do we, I want answers from you guys. When we think of the word demonic, what, what do we normally think of? What's an example? Okay. What else? Evil spirits. Evil spirits. What forms of expression? Ungodly. Ungodly. Okay. All right. Any, anyone else? Wrong. Wrong? Okay. When you say wrong, give me a picture. What does that mean? It's contrary to the word. Okay. God, contrary to know that what we know not to be. Okay. Okay. All right. Think of it as uh, something that tickles the ears. Oh, you think of it as something that tickles the ears. Uh, you guys it appeals to yourself. Ah. Uh huh. Revenge uh -huh. or anger or whatever. Would you say that most of us, most of us, meaning most people in the world, not you guys in this room? would think of the terms demonic in that sense? No. What would they think? I think of the crazy guy with the upside down star. And exactly. All, all freaked out and looking all crazy. And, yep. You know, spewing hate and whatever. Right. I think that's what the world thinks of Right. Demonic. As opposed to things that tickle the ears, things that are wrong, that you know we know are contrary to what God has taught us. And it's so important for us to recognize that when the Bible is talking about demonic, it's not, it's not always evil spirits, right? Uh, manifestations of 
clear evil that everybody would agree, right? It's clearly evil, but it's even as simple as things that tickle our ears, things that we want to do, the I want to's over what God is calling me to, to do. So I just wanted to, to bring that out because that struck me when I read it again, that, you know, too often I'm living a life not without taking God's viewpoint into consideration in my relationships. And that is critical. If when I think about my relationships from God's viewpoint, I have a higher calling. I have a higher responsibility than often what I actually live out. And so this is a challenge. You have a question. Uh, before I ask that question, uh, let me give you another view of demonic from what I think that James is inferring here, right? Since the world itself is under the, is under the control of the evil one, right? I believe James is saying this, anytime that you use something that is contrary to what God has said or has spoken, it's demonic. Would you agree? So in other words, if you take your thought patterns, if you take your opinions, if you take those things from a worldly point of view, right? They are in, in essence demonic. Would you agree with that? Right? Because Christians. As Christians, though. I mean, well, see, because, he, well, here's a but here's the thing. Even as no, you're right. As Christians, mm -hmm. but also as non-Christians, mm -hmm. because remember, mm -hmm. right? You now there there are there are those that are in Christ mm -hmm. and those that are not. The Bible's very clear that the whole world mm -hmm. is under the control of the evil one. Mm -hmm. So if you are not, right, in Christ. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no fence walking. It's you're either in or you're out. According to the word, anyway. According to the word. But you get so. Go ahead. Go my, ahead. My, my, my reason for saying that is because I'm not knowing that until I know of God. Exactly. I'm not knowing oh, exactly. that part. And, and, the, and that's exactly what the Bible says, though. The Bible says that those that are not in Christ, they can't, they can't understand the things of God. They're not even privy to the things of God. So to them, whatever is worldly is perfectly okay. And you can see that in your society today, right? We, yeah. we call everybody's truth is whatever it is, however I want to live, it's however I want to live. There is no more, there is no such thing left as absolute truth, right? Because whatever your truth is for you, is for you. So you can be or who or do or say whatever you want to do. But what I'm, but again, we're drawing this line between as those have, that have passed out of death into life, right? Now, what we have to realize is, as Paul says, we can't look at things now from a worldly point of view. So now we actually have to begin to do the work and say, okay, is what I'm saying, is what I'm planting, are the thoughts that I'm planting in my head, are the thoughts that I'm planting in my wife's head, is the thoughts that I'm planting in my children's head, right? Are they from a worldly point of view or are they from a godly point of view? Right. The other strong words. Yeah. And yeah. we are very responsible because the thing is, I was going to say, it even breaks down into our cultures because we all have subcultures. You know, Ron and Jean teach that each family has its own family culture. But now I'm talking about, you know, what when we tend to think of culture. There are things that I learned as a Nigerian growing up. There are things that people may have learned based on whatever their ethnic group is growing up that are part of things that are said normally, that are part of things that are done, you know, just typically. But again, now that we are in Christ, we have a responsibility to all begin to be conformed to this word. There are many things in my culture that we do that are not godly. 
not godly at all. Normally, that is just part of everyday living. And many times we take it for granted and we don't continue to think and discern and apply. What is the word saying about what we've been doing? And do I need to repeat that in my own family, with the family that God has now given me? So I could go up to you and say a whole bunch of nice things to you, and then behind your back, I could stab you in the back, Sue, because that's culturally, for me, that's like, okay. And I'm not, I'm speaking about my tribe, not Joe's tribe. Okay, it, it's totally okay. I could, you know, hey, you know, oh yeah, Sue, I love you, you know. And then in your back, I'm just saying the exact opposite of everything I said, you know, that's not godly. I don't care if it is my culture, right? I don't care if it's the practice of my household. I don't care if it's what my family said to me. Go ahead. So, so here's the reality. No matter what your skin color, mm -hmm. no matter what your culture, no matter what your you have been taught of what you believe, you are now Jesus culture. That's right. Oh. You are now That's Jesus right. culture. And there is no there is no dividing line in Jesus culture. That's right. Right? That's right. So when we said when we said to Jesus that you you have died for us and mm -hmm. we've given you our life, we enter Jesus culture. That's right. Once we enter Jesus culture, we have two choices. We're either going to follow Jesus culture or we're not. We're going to mix in what we think it ought to be or we're going to go with Jesus culture. Right? And so that's why every thought Every action is why Paul says, take every thought captive to Christ. What's he saying? The spoken and the written word that's coming in. Okay. What I got to figure out, does it line up with this? Because if it, if it doesn't line up with this, I don't need to be talking about it. I don't need to be injecting it in my family. I don't need to be injecting it in my own mind. I don't need to be injecting it into my doctrine. I don't need to be doing any of that. I don't care who that person is. That's why I have, I have in my men's group, I have guys that will say, oh, you know what? I went on YouTube and I heard this pastor and he was teaching, man, that stuff was really good. I said, how do you know that's true? He goes, well, you know, this guy, he's got like 15 PhDs behind his, and he's like mega church. I said, how do you know it's true? Well, this guy, I said, you know what? You better be like the Bereans. You better crack that book open for yourself. And you better understand that word for yourself, because here's a problem. If you don't, I don't care if the guy has 42 PhDs. That guy could get up and be telling you error that is not lined up with the word of God. He could be telling you, you know what? Uh, the spirit of God just came down, told you to like divorce your wife. And there's somebody out there, you've been having marital problems. And the spirit of God just told me you need to divorce your wife. And you'll be going, wow. I got to listen to that guy because I'm having marital problems and this guy's got 42 PhDs behind him and he's got a 150,000 mega church and he's got blah, 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 blah. So he must be talking about me. And you haven't even taken one time to crack open that book and say, you know what? I don't care who this guy, because Paul says, I don't care if it's a, an angel from heaven that comes down. If he's teaching you something rather than what I put in this book. He better be eternally cursed. But if you don't know what's in that book, right? You just you just go for whatever. Okay? We have to be people of the word. We have to know it, right? So that we can know when there is error. And we can know when and I'm not saying there's a lot, trust me, there's a lot of great teachers out there. We got one right here in our church. We got a couple here in our church, right? But I guarantee you, you go to any one of those pastors. So I was already, the first thing that pastor would say was, you know what? You better get in that word for yourself because you don't know. I'm up here and but pastor, I love you to death. I could be giving you error and they're not going to tell you, no, you don't have to crack open that book. Just come listen to us and we'll tell you everything you need to know. That's not going to happen. If they do, you better run. Ooh, you, better, right. you better run and take everybody you know with you, right? 
okay? You got to be people of the word, all right? You got to be people of the word. Don't drink Don't the Kool-Aid. Kool exactly. Right. All right, so I got a question for you guys, and then we're, gonna, we're going to jump into the seeds portion, okay? So here's a question, and I'm going to ask it a little bit differently. Um, what words, what word or words have been spoken to you that you can remember have affected you in a positive way? Now, this can be from infancy to an hour ago. But what words, what word or words have been spoken to you that affected you in a positive way? You want them to share it, right? Yes. Please share. share. Yes. Um, just kind of at my job is um, I get this feedback from someone that I'm helping mm -hmm. or taking care of. Um, it just kind of it gives me confirmation like, okay, you know, I leave feeling fulfilled and wanting to come back and do better the next day or okay. the next person that I have. So, just from getting a commendation from one of your patients, right? Just saying, you know, you're doing a good job. Good job. This and that, or yeah. this it just makes me think to myself, okay, I want to come back and listen. Mm. Or want to take that time to listen. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Oh. Sue. Um, Sue. Sue and then Ryan. Yeah. I, I remember I was a kid. I was uh, probably, I don't know, maybe I was somewhere between like eighth grade, junior, and high school, somewhere in there. And I remember I, we were having dinner or something, and I was complaining about how tired I was. Yeah, I was saying, I'm so tired. I don't want to do anything. And then the phone rang, and it was one of my girlfriends, and she said, oh, do you want to da 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 And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> and I hung up the phone, and my mom said to me, or it might have been my dad, I don't remember who, but they said, you have energy to do what it is you want to do. Mm. And that has stuck with you. Oh, yeah. That's mm. stuck with me. I'll never forget that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Awesome. That's good. Brian? No, I met, I met this uh, wonderful woman mm -hmm. about 20 and a half years ago, mm -hmm. and she believed in me. She told me I was smart. Huh? Mm. <laughs> and she kept, she, you know, because before then, I didn't, I never thought I was smart. Mm -hmm. or mm, okay. Anything that was great mm -hmm. okay. but I started believing in that and mm -hmm. it built me up to who I am on you know the professional level mm -hmm. of, of what I do for that I didn't have confidence or nothing I think it's built you up more than professionally no well I think it has been a lot mm -hmm. And who's this woman? Is she sitting beside you? Somebody that we may know. Yes, Jesus. Awesome. I like it. Anybody else? I don't know if you mind. Yeah. So on the way here, I got some gas, and apparently the woman that rang me up, she recognized me because she said that I looked like my father. And it brought me back to a time when I was six on my way to church. And some person said I looked like my father, but back then I had such low self-esteem. I started crying. I said, are you telling me I look like an ugly man? Oh. That's what I said back then. But like an hour ago when I put in gas, it actually made me feel proud. I'm like, okay, because I know how my dad carries himself. He's confident, he's helpful, and he's kind. So I looked at my reflection, and I totally saw that. No, oh, that's awesome. So it was like a healing moment. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah, God great. gave you a 360 or 180 yeah. or whatever. I don't do math real well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Shiloh. That's awesome. Amen. Wow. Awesome. Anybody that's, else? That's amazing. I would say for me, um, on the opposite side, um, um, negative words were spoken over me as a child. And I know as become an adult and still trying to, you know, process it through the educational system. Mm -hmm. um, God has placed me in positions where I am now able to use gifts and talents and um, things that God has blessed me to do mm -hmm. to work and pour back into young girls and young women. Well, young, young women and men. Mm -hmm. 
So what are the oh, positive yeah. things? So the positive thing yes. Managing an office, because first I was told I was dumb and stupid oh. as a child. So now I am walking through the educational process of still trying to, you know, get the degrees. And I'm not after the degrees, like that's right. something I'm, right. you know, after. Um, but I understand where I am now and where God has me. And he's speaking, spoken different things over my life. And I know who I am in him now. That's right. Beautiful. Again, another healing mm -hmm. moment, Redempt redemption that God brings, you know, even from that which was harmful, how God's turned it around. Yes, Gina, and then Elaine. I have something very similar to Renee's um, a time just this year where someone spoke over this class. And I was feeling very ugly and unloved. You said you are beautiful. You're beautiful in God's eyes and in everyone's eyes. That matters. That matters. You're beautiful. Yeah. Your heart cherishes that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which awesome. Yes, young lady. Okay. I think one of the best advice I got a long time ago was get into God's word. And draw closer to God. Mm -hmm. So when I became a mentor on my job with a coworker, and we went to lunch the other day, and she said, "Lane, I really admire how you seek after God, and not only seek after God, but follow, you know, the decisions that He makes for your life. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of times the decisions we make, you know, and especially with re retirement, is recent life." Yeah. And I was just sharing with her after I prayed about it and really, you know, sought out to God about it. And I heard her say no. And she just always, I admire how you just, the ability just to hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't always like that. Yeah. 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 Anybody else? Yeah, I can remember um, growing up as a kid. Uh, my dad wasn't the greatest dad. He, he did tell me when I first started working, he sat me down and he goes, look, son, this is your first job. I expect for you to do 110%, not 100%, not 105. I want you to do 110%. Because when you do that, that man that you're working for, you know, listen. And when he notices it, you start moving up the ladder. Mm -hmm. So I took that and ran with it. Awesome. Maybe words of wisdom. Yeah. So the question that I had originally written down was this. What word or words spoken to you have affected you in a positive or negative way? I took the negative out. I actually took it out before I read it. And this is why. God does not speak negative words over you. Period. God does not, and I want you to burn it into your cranium, God does not speak negative words over you. Never has, never will. Can I... So just, just thinking about just from the Bible's perspective, there's at least one prophet that we all know of in the Old Testament where we would expect that God would have told him, you know, you knucklehead or something that is obviously not mm -hmm. positive. Yeah. And his name starts with J and it ends with H because he went in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. Does anybody remember reading Jonah and finding where God is just you so and so and such and such and I'll never and you always and anybody remember God using anything that could translate into what we would do in the flesh, right? Beat him verbally with words. That's a prophet who went in the opposite direction of where God, I mean, clearly told him to go to Nineveh. And he's like, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. I don't care what you say. You might be God, but you can't find me if I go into a fish. 
<laughs> he let him go in that bitch. That's right. <laughs> he had he had consequences. He had consequences. There you go. But not with Jonah. Now the people that God did fuss at, I mean, and he was not pleased with verbally or otherwise, the Pharisees. Because they were teaching religion, making people jump through hoops to get to him. But if they repented, would Jesus have said, oh no, you still can't come in? Yeah. David. Okay. Um, I was reading, I read a couple articles not too long ago um, in regards to the very thing of who we look to to get our truth. And it was talking about, and I don't know these people, but apparently there was some fairly well known Christian people that are very active with social media and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Who have now come out and recanted their yes. faith? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. yeah. There's we're, two primary a, ones. Kind of a big stink. Of it. Yeah, yes. we read about it. Show of it. Mm -hmm. And the article was: uh, he's a worship leader. He's in a big Christian rock band, mm -hmm. and uh, and he was coming out and he basically was putting a warning out there of the very thing you're talking about: mm -hmm. of the apostasy of when we worship that person mm -hmm. as opposed to worshiping the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it was. It was. Um, it got a lot of press. I was actually pretty pleased to see that it was out there. And here, he, here was somebody who's very well known and and adored slash worshipped maybe mm -hmm. in his position. Mm -hmm. um, and yet he is acknowledging that he's not the Lord, mm -hmm. and that we do need to keep those people accountable by referring back to the Lord. Right. Right. And that, that should be others, right. not those individuals. And I think Jesus talked about it, or maybe it was one of the apostles, um, that very thing of don't worship me, mm -hmm. worship mm -hmm. when they were trying to worship Paul. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and Apollos. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was in scripture as well. Yeah. That's it. Victoria read something uh, as a uh, pastor. Mm -hmm. He's talking about clothes. Mm -hmm. Because everybody wants to coexist. He's giving a warning out there to people mm -hmm. about coexisting. Yeah. He was like, you know, that's, you know, we do have to get along in the, in the word and love. Right. Mm -hmm. right. We don't have to. to be at peace with all men. Yeah. Right. We don't have to coexist because that can just. Right. So coexisting refers to people see the bumper stickers yeah. or mm -hmm. people that put them on their front lawns. It says coexist, so, and it has yeah. the sickle and the star and the cross. And so, so here's here's the thing I would say about that, because Paul is very clear. Paul mm -hmm. says, "Live at peace with all men, yeah. Yeah. especially the family of God." Yeah. So the question yeah. is. What does Paul mean when he says live at peace? Because live yeah. at peace doesn't mean you have to agree. Right. Right? It doesn't mean you have to agree. Doesn't mean that you have to approve. Doesn't mean that you have to go along. Right? Because we can be... As much as it is possible. Well, yeah. But here's, here's what I'm saying, though. Here's what I'm saying. But here's what I'm saying. Again, what is that definition Okay, so what I'm saying is, when you say that, I can live at peace with my neighbor who's Muslim, and I totally don't agree mm -hmm. with, his, with his values, with his teaching. I totally don't agree with that, right? And if he was to ask me, with gen but do it with gentleness and respect, mm -hmm. I respect you, you, every man has been created in the image of God which means that you are valued and respected, and I value and respect you, but I don't agree with your assumptions, and I don't accept them. But I'm still going to treat you with respect. I'm still going to value you, because that's what God says every man has been. So that's what I'm saying. We have to be careful 
to, to be able to do that, but also being able to stand where we need to stand and say, hey, right, and draw that line and say, hey, you know what? You want to live it? That's up to you. That you live however you want to live, right? But also, right, I get to live the way that I want to live. And in that, I value and respect your right to do that. Now, you may not value and respect my right to do that. That's up to you. Because we know everybody's going to give an answer one day. I don't have to get up there and start like, uh, uh, uh. I don't have to do it. Because I know that one day we're all going to give an answer. Right? But I'm going to make sure as much as it depends on me. Now, that doesn't mean that other that neighbor may not come and scrawl stuff on my, you know what I'm saying? And really just antagonize me because that's what's going on right now. Right? We're trying to provoke Christians and antagonize Christians. So what happens is that we, if we respond, right, we fall into the very trap that the... Thank you. But that takes spiritual discernment. That you know what? That's why... You know, Paul talks about, you know, when your when your enemy slaps you on the right, turn to him your left also. But what does he say? In doing that, you will heap burning coals on his head. I'm not heaping the burning coals, right? Actually, what's happening is he's condemning himself for the day of judgment. And I'm like, I don't have to be judged, jury, and execution. I don't have to be, right? Because we all know there's a day that's going to come. All accounts are going to be settled, right? Okay. Back to the so where, yep. so where we're going to... Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you from that, but no, it was we a, need to... It was actually a good statement. Very well it was a good statement, and it fits in with what, you, what, you, what Victoria shared with you and what you shared with us fits right in. Because even in the family of God, we are warned not to exchange railing for railing, right? That's yeah. a, you know, y'all, y'all know I'm King James. <laughs> That's how I remember some things. Railing is when I'm yelling and upset, right? We're not to exchange. That's that's not how we're to communicate with one another, in the house of God or not. And mm -hmm. of course, there are times when. We want to, we feel mm -hmm. like it. We want to do that thing that is demonic because I want to, because you hurt my feelings, because I'm mad at you, because I have an opinion and you need to hear what I have to say. And I have a right. And I have a right, yes, yes. Right. Because I live in a democracy. I think the kingdom operates by democracy and it does not. Mm -hmm. We answer to a higher authority. Okay, I want to read um, something to you, a uh, commentary from F.B. Meyer on bridling the tongue, and then we're going to jump right into the seeds. So he says, it is much easier to teach people what they should be and do than to obey our own precepts. Even the best of us stumble in many respects, but our most frequent failures are in speech. If we could control our tongues... We should be the master of the whole inner economy of our natures. Mm -hmm. The refusal to express a thought would kill the thought. Let Christ bridle your mouth, and he will be able to turn about your whole body. Let him have his hand on the tiller of your tongue, and he will guide your life as he desires. A single spark may burn down a city. The upsetting of an oil lamp in a stable led to the burning of Chicago. Lighted at the flames of hell, the tongue can pass their vitriol onto the earth. Man cannot tame the tongue, but Christ can. He goes straight to the heart, for he said so long ago, the seat of mischief lies there. Can I read it? Yeah, no, I've got it. Yeah, no. Oh, you want to read? Okay, go ahead. Okay. So I'm reading uh, Matthew 13, 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Great crowds assembled around him so that he went into a boat and sat there. And the whole assembly stood on the shore. 
Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. While he sowed, some seeds fell beside the path, and the birds came and devoured them. But other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they did not have deep soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they did not take root, they withered away. Some seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. But other seeds fell into the good ground and produced grain, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times as much. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. Um, so this idea of sowing and reaping is a, is a very common and basic theme in the Bible. And Jesus here in Matthew 13 is using it in a very powerful and effective way. So Leon is going to continue to read on. We're going to make um, a couple of comments uh, about that. So Leon, okay. read 10 Okay. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, It is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of, the, of heaven, but to them it is not given. For to him who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and they listen but do not hear, neither do they understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And, shall not understand. and seeing you will see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, their ears have become hard of hearing, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Okay, so what I want, I want to make a couple of points here. Um, and I want you to look at verse 11 where it says because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you but not to them whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance whoever does not have even what they have will take be taken from them so there's a lot of confusion about what he's saying there but what he's really saying is that the thing that he's talking about having is understanding. Okay, so in essence, what he's saying is those that have an understanding about the kingdom mm -hmm. will receive more and they will have an abundance. Those who do not have an understanding about the kingdom, even what little they understand will be taken from them. Okay, and he goes on, he talks about Isaiah, right? The reason I point that out is the secrets of the kingdom are given to those whose hearts and minds have a desire to know and to understand the working of the kingdom, have hearts that have not been hardened and seek to understand heavenly things. So when you go back and you see the seeds, right? The seeds, and he goes later and he'll talk about it, Leon will finish it. The seeds that are being planted is actually the word, the word. the word of God, right? So whether spoken or written, those seeds are being planted in the ground that he's calling, and we understand the ground to be hearts, right? When you strive to have an understanding of kingdom things, right? there's a certain softening of the heart that has to happen, right? Because to be spiritually discerning, there has to be, a, there has to be some softening of the heart, okay? The reason why we talk about words is because if a word is implanted in you that's negative, you'll never be any good. You'll never make it. You'll never have, you'll never get to where you're going right 
that seed gets planted in ground that may be soft. But as the years go by and you begin to water that seed, right? My mother told me, my father told me, my brother told me, my uncle. So that must be true. What am I doing, right? I'm continuing. And what happens to that ground? It's getting harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. So Jesus says, so when the word comes and it gets there, it gets planted, right? What's going on? Some, it's too hard. Heart's too hard. Word's gone. Some, so much stuff going on in the world, right? So I can't turn my mind toward heavenly things. I'm too stuck here on earthly things. And so that seed that's trying to be planted, too many weeds coming up. And so the homework is you need to finish reading the rest of Matthew 20, uh, uh, 13, 13 after she's done, because he talks later on about weeds, right? And again, what are we talking about? We're talking about relational seeds. We're talking about words being implanted and what they do to the heart, right? And this is any relationship, husband, wife, parents, right? Yeah, we got enough time. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to finish this right here. Now I want you to read it. Okay, the second point I want to make is it says those that have will get more. So those that strive for the things we just mentioned in terms of seeking heavenly things, in terms of seeking the things of the kingdom, right? They will receive more understanding, more revelation because they put themselves in a position to receive more. Those that have not will eventually lose what little they have because they had they had no desire to get any more in the first place. Okay. So I'm reading 18 to 23. Mm-hmm. Here is my servant. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Therefore, listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears a word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who received seed beside the path. But he who received the seed on rocky ground is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, eventually he falls away. He also who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit. Some produce a hundred, some produce 60 or 30 times what was sown. So when we talk about seeds and when we go on and we'll we'll, um, go into another teaching next week, is that we have to be responsible for the soil. Uh, We have to take some inventory and find out what's going on in our heart. But what Jesus really is explaining in this parable is insight into how the power of words spoken and written and God's word has a power to transform our lives. It also shows us the power that our three enemies, the world, Mm -hmm. Satan, and the flesh, have to condition our hearts in such a way that it makes God's spoken or written word ineffective and unproductive in your life. I want to say it simply. Everything in the kingdom, everything that we desire in the kingdom, we're going to get through words. If the seeds are our words, 
That's what operates the kingdom of God. And we have to, we are responsible to understand what our relationship is to that. Now, notice that when Jesus explained that parable, he talked about the word, the seed not being able to have room to go into the soil. Since we are on this side of relationship with Christ, we may find that there are things in the word, and, and there are things in the word that we don't understand, but we may find that there are times when we're just not connected, there, those seasons. What he's talking about is a desire to continue in relationship with him, not just a season you happen to be in right now. If at the end of the end of the end of the end of the day, you have a desire to still be in relationship with him, your heart has some softness. Now, though, what he's asking you to do is, I'm talking to the women and the men, but I'm going to use a woman's expression, is to put on your big girl panties, your drawers, your knickers, okay? If you know that your heart is hard, and I know that there are places where my heart is hard, it's not necessarily because I chose to harden, but because of the example that Joseph gave, words spoken to me, words that I received, so yes, I still have a responsibility to repent for receiving things that were done to me or said to me. But at the end of the day, what he's saying is, don't allow your heart to stay hardened. Pursue me. Pursue me and pursue the path that I will show you. Because oh, he's faithful to show us if we want him to getting our hearts softened so that we can receive more of the word. He's not telling us that we are, we, you know, we sh we're, we're all wrong because our hearts are hard. He's saying there's a pathway. There's a pathway. Do you want to take that pathway? Because if you want it, I'll give you more. I'll give you that understanding you want. But you're now responsible because you know what that says. You can't just say, well, I don't get it. So then, okay, I just don't get it. And that's where it ends. If there's a want to in you, then pursue it. And he will show you where you need to be healed. Healing has a lot to do with being able to receive seed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's why we always promote cleansing stream around here. Exactly. You know, you so, sound like broken records, but there's a reason. So, um, We'll go ahead and wrap up and pray, but what we want to give you guys um, definitely through this session is that you absolutely can have everything that Christ has for you. You absolutely can. It's a matter of whether you desire it or not and whether you're willing to pay the price to get it. Right? But God's not withholding anything from you. I don't care what anybody says. You read that book front to back, and there's nowhere you can find anywhere that you show me that God is withholding anything from you. We're the ones that we have to look in the mirror and see. We're the ones that whatever's going on in us are not accessing the things of God. But he absolutely, everything is there for you. And that abundant life that Christ came to give us is ours. It's ours. We just have to learn to obtain it. So we hope you guys will join us for the next seven weeks. And we absolutely are going to learn how to obtain it. And once you learn how to obtain it, it's up to you. Right? So, Father, we just thank you for this time. We, talk, we thank you for this uh, season. And we thank you for what you're teaching us, Lord. And we thank you for what you're teaching us out of your word. And we just thank you for what a loving, gracious God. Because, God, no matter... Who says anything about you? You are the God that says that I wish none should perish That's right. and all come to repentance. Yes. That's the heart of a father that wants to see every single human being come into relationship mm. with him. But God, we know we've been given freedom of choice. We've been given freedom of choice. We can choose to accept or not. You're the same God that says, I lay before you today life and death blessing and cursing. And that same God says, but choose life. Mm -hmm. 
that same God, he said, don't choose death, choose life. So Father, thank you. I pray that everyone in here today understand the power of choice, the power of choice, the power of our choice that could lead us into abundant life, the choice that could, the power of choice that could lead us into uh, peace everlasting because we choose to walk with you, Lord. We just thank you. What a good father. What a good, good father. What a, yes. what a good and gracious Lord. Yes. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. While we didn't want anything to do with you, we spit on you. We turned our back on you. You didn't turn your back on us. So, Father, let that be an example for us today. On our best day, on our worst day, you're still with us. You're still the same God that said, I will never leave you yes, nor forsake you. So I thank you, Lord. Let those words resonate with us today. Let those words give us power today. Let those words give us authority today. Let those words give us comfort today. Let those words spur us on to love and good deeds. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.